Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. You know, there was a book years ago written, I don't even know if it's still in print, it's called None of These Diseases. It was, I think the, the author's last name was McMillan. He was a uh, he was a medical doctor. And, you know, he revealed in that book that what the Lord told us in the scriptures, medical science took him thousands of years to catch up. Yeah. Do you know that doctors 200 years ago didn't even believe in washing their hands, going from patient to patient? They would come in in the maternity ward, the women that died overnight, they would, the doctors would come in and they would check them. They would not wash their hands. They would go and then they would check the living pregnant women. So the death rate was extremely high. And so there was a doctor that, that got the notion about washing his hands. So he would wash his hands. And this was in the same water. It wasn't fresh water. But, you know, the the death rate began to drop, and so he discovered that, and he tried to, he wrote a a medical uh, paper on that, and you know that he was mocked, he was mocked and driven out of his practice over washing their hands. Do you know that in, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells the people to wash their hands? You know, it also talks about, this is kind of gross, but we all do it. When they were, they didn't have toilets back then. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they did not have toilets. (laughs) They did not have plumbing. Do you know that when they went to take a dump, (laughs) that's the best way I could put it. (laughs) When they went to take a dump, the Bible says to take a shovel with you and cover it up. You know, back in England, there were plagues, the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, and all these plagues came and killed thousands and thousands of people. And the priests, the, the, priest, the, the ministers, went and searched the Bible, and they found out that the Bible says when you go take a dump that you are supposed to cover it up. Well, they were just, in England, they were just doing their thing and throwing it out on the street. So these flies would come, get in the, get in the mixture, and then go spread the joy. <laughs> once, they, once the priest found out that they are to cover, and what is he talking about? Because, I want to tell you this, because God is way ahead yes. of medical science. Yes. God's way ahead. I don't care what they say, how dumb they think we are. It doesn't matter. God, God told us thousands of years ago what would happen to us if we would obey him. Scripture says, if you will obey me and do my word, I will put none of these diseases that, I, that, that came upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals thee. Why, why did he tell them not to do the things that the Egyptians did? Because they just came out of Egypt. Being schooled in the Egyptian way of life for 430 years. Moses was trained in the medical profession. He was trained in all of that stuff. So do you know that they would, they would use donkey dung and cat dung as part of their remedy. They had a very low recovery rate. (laughs) Why are you telling me all this? This is Thanksgiving. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because in Romans chapter 1, 
Romans chapter 1, and we will begin, let's begin in verse 18. It's, this is in the Bible. Say it's in the Bible. Whether you ignore it or not, it doesn't matter. It's still in the Bible. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Do you know that there has always been, back then and even today, even government suppression of the truth? Suppression of the truth. Can't pray in school, can't read the Bible in school. The Bible is full of truth. Yes. You know, uh, I think it was in New York City. There, uh, it was a place where there was a high murder rate. Even in, even in school, there was a lot of violence. And somebody put up signs, do not kill. <laughs> in the school. Didn't say, didn't, they didn't write out, thou shalt not kill. They just said, do not kill. Do you, know the, do you know the crime rate went down in that school? Yeah. And, and, the, and the principal said, it's amazing. Whoever thought, of, whoever thought of putting up, whoever thought of saying, you don't kill? I think it was God. Back in the Pentateuch, he said, thou shalt not kill. And so it wasn't the thou shalt not, but it was do not kill. And the crime rate went down. Why am I saying this? He says, because there is a suppression of the truth. He goes on to say, he says, because that which may be known of God is manifested in them. Do you know that every person has a, has a, uh, a part of God on the inside of them, whether they ignore it. You say, well, they're born in sin. How could they have God? God, the Bible says that every man is made in the image and likeness of God. Yes. They, still have a, they still have an image of God that's on the inside of them. I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying this myself. Haven't even gotten to the notes yet. He goes on to say, for, it, uh, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Say live. live. That doesn't mean just practice every once in a while. That doesn't mean just do it every Sunday. That, that means the just shall live by faith. It is a lifestyle. Do you know that Thanksgiving is a lifestyle? And Thanksgiving, I appreciate Katie's uh, definition, but Thanksgiving is also, it is, it is vertical and it is horizontal. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving is vertical to God, giving him praise and thanks because he's worthy of praise and we should be doing it without being encouraged to do it. But it, it is also horizontal because Jesus is in other people. The image of God is in other people, and you are ministers of grace. The scripture says, you shall, uh, it says, uh, what is that? My favorite, one of my favorite scriptures. It helped me years ago. It says, um, let no corrupt communication proceed from out of your mouth, but that which is good to edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Every one of us in this room is called to be a minister of grace. And, you're, and the ministry of grace begins with your mouth. Actually, it begins with your heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. He is. So, it says in verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although, although they knew God, say they knew God. Yeah. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. 
Do you know that thanksgiving is so, is so critical for our Christian life? Because it lifts us out of darkness. It lifts us out of depression. It lifts us out of fear. It lifts us out of the things which keep us under. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him. He has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, and you practice staying in the light by doing thanksgiving. So again, he says, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thinking or in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were dark and professing to be wise, they became fools. When we stop thanking God, we elevate ourselves over his truth. We elevate ourselves We even think we're smarter than God. I mean, I'm not talking about the world now. I'm talking about in-the-house Christians. When we stop thanking God, when, when, our, when our lifestyle of thanksgiving begins to decrease, we begin to elevate ourselves up above the knowledge of God. We begin to elevate ourselves above the wisdom of God. Therefore, we... Our, our thoughts become darkened. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You want me to get to my notes or just... Uh... <laughs> well, the reason I wanted to share that with you is because uh, the Scripture says in Romans chapter, chapter 8, uh, no, chapter 12... Says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Let me just say this without giving, there is no worship. No worship. If you don't have any money, just put your body on the altar. Not the dead body, the living body. Put your body on the altar. Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know that there's no, there's no Thanksgiving magazines at the checkout stand. You ever see a gossip magazine? But there's no good news magazine. Why? Because we're not naturally prone to good news. We're not naturally prone, but we're not supposed to be natural people anyway. We're supposed to be spiritual people. (laughs) We are supposed to be spiritual people. You don't even have to try to be spiritual. You are spiritual. You need to upgrade it. How many of you have ever had a computer? Did you ever need it upgraded? Well, sometimes we need to upgrade our level of knowledge in the Scripture. Don't be satisfied with, you know, I love, I love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but you got to get an upgrade. You got to go deeper. You got to go farther. Got to get past deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and that's good. That's good when you're in uh, Bible, uh, what does that call that? Vacation Bible school. (laughs) But you got to get past that. Hallelujah. Jesus goes into his hometown and he preaches a sermon. They give him the scroll, he opens it to Isaiah 61. And he reads, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closes it and he says, this day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they want to kill him. 
Well, the reason is, is because he's just said, I'm the Messiah. I am the Messiah. You know, there's not, if you ever read, if you read the Bible, you know, Jesus gets asked questions and he doesn't give, he doesn't even answer the question. Sometimes what? You know, we would see Jesus. Then these guys, these Greeks come up and they say, we would see Jesus. And Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Yeah. You know, he doesn't even answer the question. (laughs) So the thought is, it's just best to listen and not ask questions. No. (laughs) No. But after he does that, the Bible says that they become offended at him. They're offended at Jesus, and the Bible says he can there do no mighty works. Now, now the Son of God can't do any works. It wasn't that he couldn't do any works. It was because they wouldn't come to him. They would not come to him to receive what he had. I'm telling you this for a reason. It's because if we have an attitude of ingratitude, we will not receive what God has supplied for us to receive. We will not receive healing. We will not receive salvation. We will not receive deliverance. I remember uh, a number of years ago, it was back in the uh, 70s, I was uh, just getting ready to go to Bible school. And uh, I got to be, I got to go to a camp meeting. There's about 14,000 people there. And I was one of the front row ushers to, uh, for crowd control. You know, when 14,000 people want to get prayed for, you got to control the crowd. (laughs) And so anyway, um, they were doing a healing service. They had like six, eight different ministers, Norval Hayes, Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, and several others. So anyway, it was our job when they had the lines of people. When somebody was open, they, uh, we were supposed to direct them to the open person. And so there was a person open, and I said, you may go to that person. They said, I don't want to go to them. I want to go to Kenneth Copeland. And now that's no, no reflection on Kenneth Copeland. He didn't know. But you know, God will, God will heal with whomever he chooses. Sometimes it's best to get new believers to pray for you because they're not indoctrinated with all this unbelief that we learn after we get saved. (laughs) Well, the Bible says lay hands on the sick. Well, let's go do it. (laughs) Oh, well, they might have unbelief. They might have sin. Drop that stuff, man. Just do what he says. So, they were offended. In other words, if they were offended, they weren't thankful. They were not thankful. So, again, going back a little farther, he said, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I want to go back and I want to give you some some scriptures to show you how you can receive. You can receive even physical healing just through Thanksgiving. And the statistics that I find out are not by Christians. They are people uh, that are doctors in universities, okay? But let's just give you the scriptural background first of all. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, can you find Proverbs? It's just uh, right after Psalms. Go to Psalms and take a right. He says, my son, attend to my words. Proverbs what? Proverbs 4, uh, 20... Proverbs 4.20, sorry. My son, attend to my words. What What words are he talking about? What words are he talking about? 
Well, could be, it was a combination. It's a combination of the written word, the spoken word, and the prophetic word. That's another thing I wanted to tell you. You know, back when I was a, a kid, a young guy, when they were giving out prophetic words, we just all wanted a word. Oh, please pick me. I want a word. <laughs> Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Hagan told us, he says, don't ever ask for a word because you're going to need it. <laughs> and he's generally right. But anyway... The Lord spoke to me this morning, and he said, if you didn't get a word, he said, open your heart to the, to, the, to the spoken word, because there's revelation and prophetic in the spoken word. Yes, that's true. Loretta uh, can uh, verify this. Uh, years ago, and I, I could still do it, I don't know, nobody said anything. But I would be preaching and I would give illustrations and people after the church, after the sermon would come up to me and said, you were outside of my bedroom window last night. I said, no way, man. I was, I was not outside your bedroom window. They said, you were preaching about what we were talking about or arguing about. They probably said talking, but it's probably arguing. You were talking, you were addressing what we were talking about. So it doesn't, you don't have to get a, you don't have to ask somebody. I mean, just be open, desire spiritual gifts, not just that you give them, but, and which is, which is what we want, but desire the spiritual gift to receive. And if you don't get a, if, if you don't get a personal prophetic word, open your heart to, uh, to the message because God will speak through the message yes. to you. So, he says, My son, attend to my word, incline thine ear unto my saying, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Is God actually saying that his word can heal your flesh? He's not saying it, that it'll just heal your soul, because when I was in the Baptist church, you can't get healed in your body. You only got healed in your soul. Really? Yeah. And I'm not. And I'm not degrading the Baptist. I got saved, going to a Baptist church. But you know, uh, because we because some of our teaching is, has been in dispensations. Well, tongues is from that dispensation. We don't do that now. Or healing is in that dispensation. We don't do that now. We've got the Bible. We don't need healing. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> when I was laying in the hospital room getting ready to, be, getting ready to have surgery, I needed not just <laughs> the Bible. I needed a surgeon. Praise the Lord. Well, why didn't you just have faith? I did have faith. I had faith to get off my rear and go to the hospital. <laughs> it did take a lot of faith because I wasn't going to go. I was standing in faith. I couldn't hardly breathe. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but it was getting there. It was getting there. I was going to stand in faith. My doctor said, you better get down. <laughs> you better get down to the emergency room. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go. So I did. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Dr. Jody. I'm thankful for those doctors and nurses. I've said before, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in town. But if you need a hospital, it's best to be in the best hospital in town. Wouldn't you say so, Donna? <laughs> Amen. Donna was the nurse. Hallelujah. We, how many nurses, former nurses, we have in here? I know we have at least three. Any more? Why? That's why I said three. One, two, three. Okay. So I got you covered, unless you're hiding. <laughs> so we're, we're glad for nurses. I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful for nurses. I remember when Joel was just a little boy. He and Rebecca were uh, over across the street in the woods, and Joel liked mushrooms. And so Rebecca came home, and she said Joel was eating these red mushrooms (laughs) over across the street. Well, we called somebody. I don't know if she was a nurse, but but the wife of a a dentist. So she she says, give him Epitaque, or whatever it's called. So we don't have any. We didn't know what it was. So she brought it over poured it down Joel's throat, and within 15 minutes, bam, no more, no more red mushrooms in Joel's stomach. Well, I'm thankful for that. How about you? You know, I was just even thinking this morning, it's the wildest thing. You know, I'm just so grateful that my ancestors, uh, who were, most of them were Confederates, but uh, one of them the family line string that I come from went to South Carolina to a revival and got saved. And uh, that strand, my strand of family became uh, part of the union. And uh, that one grand, great-great-grandfather, or maybe it's great-great-great, but anyway, beca- uh, fought with General Grant at Pittsburgh. And one, if you know the Civil War. But you know what? He became a preacher, a Baptist preacher. And I read his obituary, and it talked about how the guy that was writing the obituary was actually persuaded to be a Christian by my great-great-grandfather. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I never, my dad... It's a long story. But anyway, my, grandfa- uh, my grandfather got offended in church. Say offended. offended. My grandfather got offended in church because he was not picked to be the Sunday school teacher. So he would not go to church. He would not let my, mo- my grandmother go to church. He would not let his children go to church. Therefore, my, uh, my father becomes an alcoholic, he becomes abusive, and um, a lot of bad things happen in my family. A lot of bad things. Say offense. Bad. It's bad. You know what my grandfather should have done? He should have said, well, thank God. It wasn't my time. The Lord has something better for me. Hallelujah. My grandfather got saved, rededicated his life for the Baptists. They don't get resaved. Rededicated his life three days before he died at 93. That's getting pretty close. Pretty close. I remember one time I was, uh, am I just rambling? Is it okay? Is it okay? Yeah. Well, I usually hear about it, but (laughs) not really. Sometimes she says, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I was praying here. This was a long time ago. This, uh, in the early years when we came into this building, I was praying. I, I came to church early. And I was praying, and I had a vision. And I saw my grandfather. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I've called, I called your grandfather, but he rejected it. Which, you know, I found out about that. Then he said, I called your father, but he rejected it. You know, when you're called and you reject it, it's, it's not that you pay, your family pays. Yeah. Just a thought. He says, I called you. Me. I called you. He says, you were willing. Or, no, he says, you were obedient, but you weren't willing. The willing and the obedient eat the good of the land. I, I, I'm, I'm willing now, by the way. <laughs> and then he showed me, 
he showed me Joel, and he says, I've called, your jo- I've called your son Joel. He will be willing and obedient. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God's grace and mercy, he is good and his mercy endures for what? Forever. Forever. You know, even when I was a sinner, God called me. How many, uh, how many of you know that you, well, when you were a sinner, God called you? Yes. When you were a sinner. And I'm just not talking about the sin nature. I'm talking about I was a sinner. <laughs> I was a sinner. The Apostle Paul said, the Apostle Paul said that he was the chief of sinners. I wasn't the chief, but I was uh, pretty far up there. (laughs) You know, some of of the rest of us are are relating. You know, even even if you were born, your family took you to church, and, and, you know, you, in the Sunday school, and you didn't smoke or chew and go with the girls that do, <laughs> you still are a sinner, and you needed Jesus. That's right. Just some of us were a little more expressive <laughs> in our sinning. Why am I tell you this? Because I'm grateful. Yes. I'm grateful that my parents didn't go to church when I was a kid, my mother had arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. She couldn't walk up the steps to the church. My dad didn't go, but I'd lay in bed on Sunday morning, and Mom would yell, Stephen, get up and go to church. And I'd just lay there, <laughs> pretending I was asleep. And my mom would say, Glenn! And of course, he's right next to her in bed. And then he'd say, stay around. So I was up. I'm thankful. I remember the night I got ordained. I'm going to preach this sermon next week. (laughs) Because I like this. I like this season. I love Thanksgiving. But um, the night I got uh, ordained, the the order of service was I was sitting up on the platform the the congregation there's about 500 people in the congregation today's standards that's not real big but it was big to me because you know and I was sitting there the elders could ask me any question any theological question they wanted and then the pastor could ask me any theological question they wanted and then the congregation could ask me any theological question they wanted, and I had to answer those questions. Now, I didn't hear this from my dad, but my dad said after the sermon, he, or after it was over, he said, I didn't realize that boy was so smart. <laughs> so I, I didn't get the, uh, the horizontal one there. But let me just say, let me just say this. The we want to get to the place where Thanksgiving is a is a um, lifestyle. Let me just um, let me just share with you. This is from medical science. I didn't get this from um, from a Christian source. Anybody know who Cicero was? Good. Cicero was a uh, Roman statesman years and years ago. But he said this, gratitude is not only the greatest virtue, but the parent of all other virtues. The parent of all virtues. So without gratitude, your other virtues are orphaned. They're not nurtured. For years... This doctor says, I've studied all the benefits of an attitude of gratitude. I'm amazed at the stu- I am amazed at study after study that demonstrates the incredible power that gratitude 
how gratitude helps us. R.W. Schambach, some of you might remember him. He would do tent revivals, and there was a, a woman. She was coming forward for her healing. She was down on, she was down on her knees. Remember anybody remember the days when you used to get on your knees at the altar? Hallelujah. Anyway, she was down on her knees at the altar. She said, oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, Jesus, help me. So uh, R.W. Shambach gets down beside her, and he says this. He says, an attitude of gratitude will increase your latitude. You know, longitude is this way. Latitude is this way. So she says, oh, thank you, Jesus. She immediately changed. You know, some people think it, it takes 30 years to repent. No, it takes seconds. Yeah, that's right. Oh, thank you. He said she got healed. Gra uh, gratitude or thankfulness reduces depression. Yeah. Say depression. depression. What is the opposite of depression? It's expression. Yeah. Express thankfulness. Oh, yeah, Pastor, you preach this thing every year. Well, I'm telling you, this, this year, start a journal every day. Every day, write down three things that you're thankful for and why you're thankful for them. You will, uh, you will be amazed at the change that happens in your life. Do you know that gratitude can get you promotions at work? Yeah, it is amazing. You know, when I, when, I used, when I used to work secular jobs, oh, just people be so excited to get a, get a job. They'd be so excited. And then after they're there for a month, they're hanging around everybody else that's complaining. And then they're complaining about the job. You don't get promoted at jobs by complaining. Mm -hmm. Be thankful. Let God give you a revelation concerning your job and how to improve the job. You implement that, and God will raise you up. How do you think Joseph got promoted? He didn't get promoted by complaining. He still had a thankful heart towards the Most High God. Thanksgiving or gratitude will improve your self-esteem. It will increase your energy. Thanksgiving will decrease your blood pressure. For those of you that have high blood pressure, decrease your blood pressure. Get you off. Well, I don't want to say that. It also increases your sleep quality. How would it do that? Well, you know, if you're complaining all night before you go to bed, man, I'll tell you what, you shouldn't watch TV before you go to bed. You should not watch TV, unless it's Christian TV, but then some of that is, you know, just my thinking. It reduces and helps you to cope with negative stress. I don't know about this. It says it helps you to eat healthier. <laughs> they might have missed it You're on not, that one. You're not they might have. Oh. oh yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, dear. <laughs> it improves your job performance. It uh, helps you to become more likable. <laughs> Amen. If you're always running me down, I'm not going to like you very much. So, Elena, if you want me to like you, you better quit that. No. If you want to be liked, start being grateful to people. It'll open their heart. You'll be, a, you'll be amazed. Yeah, I, I just, I don't do it all the times, but sometimes I just... I just get into a situation. It might be the cashier. It might be a nurse. It might be somebody. And I'll just, I'll just, um, what do they call it? Give them a compliment. You'd be surprised how they light up. The last time I was in the hospital, and I'm not a frequent flyer, by the way. 
there was this uh, there was this nurse that came in, and um, my wife was with me, so I wasn't hitting on her. Yeah, you always have to let them know that. Yeah, I'm not hitting on you. This is my wife. But I said, did anybody ever tell you you're beautiful? Now, now uh, she was, well, I'm not going to describe. But she had a beautiful face. But you know what? Man, she lit up like a Christmas tree, and she treated me great. <laughs> That's not why I did it. That's not why I did it. It just came to me. I believe it was by the Spirit of God. It just came to me to tell her that. It, it made, because remember, it's not just vertical, it's horizontal. Yeah. It's horizontal. Also, uh, you become more likable, uh, you reach goals faster. It increases feelings of happiness and well-being. It reduces negative emotions such as envy, hatred, and anger. It also inc it increases positive emotions such as love and empathy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The scripture says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, you know, I know that this is um, a lot of people have the theology that you're supposed to thank God for everything. I'm a not of that opinion. I do not thank God for sex trafficking. I do not thank God for Hitler I don't thank God. I don't think that was God's will. Don't think that at all. But you know, God can turn things around. Bad things that happen to you are not the will of God, but God can use them for your benefit. All things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean that he ordained them doesn't mean that he ordained them. So we're not giving thanks for bad things that happen. Oh, I'm just so thankful. You know, and I know I've heard people say, you know, um, oh, I just thank God I was able to go to the hospital because I was able to witness. Well, I just assume God take me to Wendy's or McDonald's and witness to them there. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go to the hospital to witness. <laughs> course, it'd have to be God, because Melody had never let me to go to Wendy's or McDonald's, so I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you don't have to, you know, God, God can lead you. Yes. You know, sometimes we, we think these crazy thoughts, and we think, you know, well, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. That's going to mess up my schedule. Do you know that God's allowed to mess up your schedule? He has got, he's got a little more authority than you. <laughs> he's got more authority than you and I. And if we, will yield to, if we will yield to those things, then we will find ourselves uh, magnifying the kingdom of God. Now, this isn't magnifying the kingdom of God, but uh, we had just gotten saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know what the Holy Ghost is. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay. So Melody was driving to work in her B210, Dotson. And she was behind a truck, a pickup truck, and it had a pinball machine. Now, for those of you that don't know what a pinball machine is, that's back, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> that was back before electronics, okay? So anyway... This pinball machine is in the back, and the Lord said, move over in the other lane. So she moved over in the other lane, and just wasn't but a minute, that thing popped out of the back and landed right on the road, right where she would have been. Hallelujah. Of course, I could tell you my story. 
where God said, go to work a different way. And I said, no, I, am, I started thinking. Sometimes it's not good to think. <laughs> Lord said, this is my first day on the job. And he says, go, don't, no, what he said was go, don't go the freeway to work. So I'm thinking these other ways, there's two other ways I could have gone, and uh, they were both back roads. And I'm thinking, man, that's going to take a long time. I don't want to be late to work, so I'm just going to go. So I went the freeway. I get off the exit. Man, I'm good. Nothing happened on the freeway. <laughs> there was a truck. It had been raining in Tulsa, and uh, there was this truck in front of me, and mud had gotten on top. It was all over the back of this guy's truck. It was like a flatbed delivery truck. And mud would have just caked over the, the lights, the lights in the back. So he put on the brakes, and I didn't see it. So all of a sudden, I'm coming up to meet this guy. So I whipped it over in the other lane. Whoop, there's, another, there's cars coming. Whoops, I whip it over. I'm still coming towards the truck, so I get off to the side of the road. Man. So I waited for traffic to clear, and as soon as I put on the gas to get back on the road, my car slid down the embankment. <laughs> you should have heard this before. <laughs> but anyway... Go, don't go to work on the freeway. So God, you know, God speaks to us all the time. It's just we, gotta, we got him tuned out. We got to get him tuned back in. And when he does, when he does come in loud and clear, we can't let our, we can't let our logic take over. can't let our logic. You know, uh, I wrote on Facebook uh, a little quote. Don't let the simplicity, don't let your, don't let your reason negate the simplicity of the gospel. I had taken a, a young guy that I worked with. I was in Bible school. I took this guy with me, this guy that I worked with to a Kenneth Hagin meeting. Oh, it was a camp meeting is what it was. And so he was a Catholic fellow. I love Catholics, so I'm not. But anyway, he asked me after, after, after the meeting, we were in the parking lot where I lived, and he said, um, he said, what, what do you have to do to be saved? I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He says, I can't believe that. It's too simple. Don't let your reason and your logic negate the simplicity of the gospel. Sometimes God will ask you to do the simplest things, but you don't, it doesn't register on your logic. And so we refuse to do it, and we miss some of the greatest glories. Some of the biggest miracles I've seen, I heard John Osteen say this, but I've had it happen to me. Some of the slightest and by obeying some of the slightest impressions, I've seen some of the biggest miracles. One more story. I was in Brazil, and I was praying for a lady who was blind in one eye. Her, her right eye was blind. So I prayed for her, and I asked her to check it out. You know, put your hand up. You see any better? No, I don't see. So about the third time, I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking in my logic, how am I going to get out of this? <laughs> Did you ever think that? But I'm just thinking in my logic, how am I going to get out of this? But, you know, I didn't say, hey, I got, I, got, I got to pray for other people. No. So I did it. I prayed for her a fourth time. Check it out. And I shouldn't say, I said, do you sense anything in your body? Do you sense anything? In, no, I don't sense anything in my body. This is through an interpreter. So the fifth time, prayed for her, totally restored. Now, in my logic, I'm out of there by the third time. <laughs> don't let your logic... Yeah. 
negate the simplicity of the gospel. Well, you're only supposed to pray one time. Well, that's what I used to think. If you pray more than once, it's unbelief. That's not true. Because the fifth time, you know, gee, well, anyway. <laughs> the fifth time. And then afterwards, she spoke to the interpreter because it's in Portuguese. She said, you know, the first time he prayed, I got a fire in my, in my chest. When he told me that, I was ready to slap her. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was moving on her the first time I prayed. The first time. But I didn't know that. So you know what? Now I'm a little more cool about it. Stevie the cool. <laughs> I don't let it bother me. Because I know the Holy Spirit's working. I know the Holy Spirit's working because it is impossible for us to pray and nothing happen. Do you hear that? It is impossible for you to pray and nothing happen. Something's going to happen. It might not be what they're asking for. It might be something else. But God is moving in their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can be thankful. I'm going to quit right now. This is Thanksgiving. I'm going to ask the, the ministry team to come up.